and welcome to another episode of Rap in Order. I'm First Class Reg. I'm Tony B. And uh, today, today we're going to be getting into Money Making Mitch, which is an album from Puff Daddy, Puff Daddy and the Family. Now, you know, um, Puff is always very particular about how he uses it, about his different names and how he uses them for his different projects. And that's no different here. And I think it kind of puts him in a different pocket when he uh, when he takes on these albums. Like the inspiration from this is obviously very, very Harlem. Um, it's one of my personal favorite Puff projects. And when you look back at his catalog, like he hasn't really even missed. Like, you know, you got uh, you got My Way, no, No Way Out. You got Forever. You got Press Play, um, Money Making Mitch. And what's the other one? Dirty Money. Dirty Money, yes. Uh, Last Train to Paris. Those are all very, very good albums. Um, and I guess when we approached this project, it was my idea to do this project, but that was with like just in mind, like, damn, we never talk about this. But then thinking of that, I'm like, well, why don't we talk about this album? This album is a great album, but it came out in 2015, right? 2015 saw a lot of different projects that were amazing. And I think this album kind of got swept under the rug, even though it is a Puff project, which doesn't typically happen for him. Like, why do you think? Um, why do you think that happened? So Money Making Mitch was probably swept under the rug because it was a mixtape. Um, Puff was becoming looked at as older. So like the the younger audience wasn't like running to like, you know, listen to a whole project from him because a lot of them probably weren't. A lot of rap fans probably that of the younger years, especially because this was big time internet time, right? So mm -hmm. they weren't alive when No Way Out came out. So they they don't didn't know how how they didn't know how good his music was. A lot of people that were like, you know, I guess the Tumblr kids or whatever you want to call it, right? Probably looked at him as reserve my sexy puff, you know, that was doing like the skincare commercials and shit like that and selling liquor and some rock and everything. So they weren't they weren't in and to know to know that like his music is probably some of the best curated music that you'll hear and like his bodies of work always tell a story yeah like, that's it yeah. that's it right you know like his music always tells a story like it, the reason why he 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 laid down the groundwork for american gangster was because of you know the story that he was telling with the soul samples that he used for that project um i just think that like you said a lot of projects came out that year and it just got like buried under it right so you have like all of these like different options of like artists to like come out and everything of, of to, to go and like buy and like you know check out their music and i just think that like um people just wasn't with it like do you remember um when like something happened like all right so futures on money making on the song money making this right singing mm -hmm. the hook but like something happened where like future was like shitting on puff like saying that nigga oh like fuck that nigga like that niggas, that niggas watched, and it was like a thing because, like, I think it was like like one of like Future's like homeboys or like a girl like in, in the privacy of their like their vicinity like recorded it, so like people were like already like writing Puff off as not cool or like that sounds that sounds familiar. Was that around the time that uh, the shit remix came out? I think so, but um, it was just like weird, like because you know for us like we think like Puff is like the coolest person on the planet, like but. Like it was becoming like known that like people weren't like running to like fuck with Puff or whatever like that. And it's like Puff didn't like put out an artist in like years. I mean, well, he has Janelle Monet, hello. But um 
you know, a lot of people just didn't um like in the hip hop realm, like he wasn't like cool. He wasn't Metro Boomin. He wasn't, you know, QC. So like a lot of people was like shitting on him. So I just think that like real like people that 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 knew about Puff listened to this album and um, this mixtape at the time. Now it's out, but it was a mixtape. And like really bought into it. And then like Puff was like really like pushing No Way Out Part Two, and this was the prequel to it. And then uh, also, I remember a lot of people were turned off because it was like, all right, it's money making Mitch. It's based off a character from from a movie, based off a, a real life person that you know, saying like lost his life in in a certain kind of way that people you know weren't happy about in Harlem. So he got a lot of backlash for that too, because it was just like, yo, like. You know, you doing this and like knowing like how your father died, like why would you want to like, you know what I'm saying, like betray this all like, like people were pissed off with him about that as well. So Yeah. That was pretty interesting, like to hear hear those arguments and, and hear people say that shit. Yeah, um I guess that's warranted too, but then like just uh from listening to Puff over the years, I feel like he dives into project like he grabs some inspiration and he just runs with it. Like he hasn't mentioned this shit since it dropped. Like he he just he runs with it and then he's done with it. Like that that's just how he carries on with like creativity and like how he how he does that does his thing. But um what I liked about it was that it was kind of he's really good at getting people together that you wouldn't typically put on the song together. Like he's always been good at that and uh and really making it work and and reuniting people. Like, like, I think I, I was saying, like, uh, you know, he has a track on here with Kim and and Styles and then like the newcomer at the time was King Los. And then he just organically put Kiss, Styles, Pusha on a song and it works so beautifully. And then you get like new R&B singers at the time, Seven Streeter. Uh, you had Todd Dolla Sign on here. Like he just. He really, really is good at that, like orchestrating what he knows would work for a project. Um, but we wanted to do do something a little different for this for this uh, for this episode, where we kind of just not necessarily break down every song or or uh, take it to trial as we normally do, but just kind of figure out how or why it got lost in the shuffle and kind of highlight the other albums that came out in that time to see whether or not. It should have been highlighted along with those. So um, this is we the got mysterious case of money making Mitch. The mysterious, I like that. The mysterious case of money making Mitch. So that's that's what this is. Um, I'm sure Torian's gonna put like some some edit here to make us look all mysterious and shit. But uh, <laughs> we're gonna get into it. Uh, without further ado, this is case 140, money making Mitch. Welcome to another episode of Rap in Order. I'm First Class Reg. I'm Tori B. We're joined today by that Aviles guy. Yo, yo. It's Danny with the messed up hair. Your hair still looks marvelous, Danny. Don't worry about it. I know. I know. Mm-hmm. I, I was selling myself short. <laughs> but uh, but today, we're, we're getting into Money Making Mitch. Money Making Mitch is the debut mixtape 
from Puff Daddy. It was released in 2015. Um, we wanted to approach this one a little differently. Like we all really enjoy this album for when it came out. And uh, we kind of, well, I pitched the album for us to do. And we kind of thought of a different way for us to approach it because we were like, well, how can we talk about this if we all really like it? How can we dissect something that we all already enjoy? Um, and then we decided to fit, to to mention like, hey, well, this is a Puff album, yet it's forgotten about, which is never the case, because you have you have No Way Out, which is acclaimed. You have a uh, you have uh, Last Train to Paris. You have the Forever album. You have um, shit. What's the other one? Press Play. Right. So you have all these like acclaimed albums from Puff and he's respected as like this person that puts out great bodies of work. So what happened in 2015? There's it's like a it's like a glitch because a lot of people don't even remember this project coming out. And it had hits on it. You had uh, you had Todd Dolla Sign, you had Big Sean, you had Travis Scott, you had all these hit makers. You had the you had um, him reuniting with Kim. After they whole shit, they made the, they made a record together on this. You had him reuniting, um, uh, not reuniting, but you had Kiss on here. You had Styles on a track with Pusha. Like you, it was some really big moments on this, but it kind of just flew under the radar. And I wanted to know um, why you guys thought that was. So I'll, I'll start with with Torian. It's weird because Puff is still the coolest nigga in the room that he walks into, but he stopped being the coolest nigga in the music industry, if that makes sense. So, like, he thought, like, if he would have made a joint project with French Montana or someone like that, I think it would have worked, but he just couldn't, like, find, like, that magic. Like, he was working closely with King, King Los, and, like, him and King Los had, like, a really, really volatile relationship at this time. And I just think that the reason why this like fell on such deaf ears was because like Puff became like a mogul. So in music, he kind of like lost his luster. Like, you know, like he, he had like a, a great run, right? Like, so the Dirty Money on Last Train to Paris album was amazing, right? But he is, he crossed over so far in the pop music that like he, he became like a, a huge, huge star, right? So internationally, like he's known and everything like that. And like people love him in different countries and shit. But he put out a mixtape. So you put if you're putting out this mixtape, a mixtape is technically supposed to be underground. And 2015 was around the time when streaming services started allowing mixtapes to be on the streaming services. And I think that for Puff, it was really, really hard to like battle. So many things were coming at him. And when I say that, I mean other all of the 2015 was a really good year of music. So, so much good music came out that year that this project was already presented like kind of like an underground prequel kind of project. And I think that's why this project didn't do that well. And it's kind of like if you know, you know, kind of thing. Like the other day on Twitter when I asked like, oh, like how many of y'all like money making mix? No one had a bad word to say about it. Some people mm -hmm. had a bad word to say, bad thing to say about the forever album, <laughs> but nobody had a thing to say about Triple M. Like everybody loved Triple M. Everybody felt like Triple M was like, uh, you know, one of his better projects. Somebody even told me that the, the second best project he's ever put out besides No Way Out. Mm. I don't know about that, but that goes to show you the high regard that is held in, and and it just doesn't. Um, I think 
actually this album slipping under the radar it probably adds to another reason why so many people love it it's so low-key and i feel like the people that do know about it just hold it close and they feel like it's like a prize thing that they just hold for themselves but uh danny what do you how do you feel about how this album has aged or how um how it's regarded why do you think it's forgotten about um i think there's several reasons uh I think a the first reason is um it doesn't match the sound that was going on at the time I think I think this was the year we were very future heavy after his you know magnificent run but from uh beast mode 56 nights uh what was the third one um and then into dirty sprite 2 um, I think uh, people people didn't expect Diddy at this didn't understand Diddy at this point in time in his career making a mixtape, um, especially because this was uh, around the same time that mixtapes had already you know like people are considering it an album. So when you go around calling something a mixtape, it was like it was peculiar. Um, people weren't you know well, I don't think we're into it. Uh, when you look up the album, this is something I found very interesting. I on iTunes. Uh, you can't enter Puff Daddy. You can't enter Diddy to find the album. You have to enter the full Puff Daddy and the family. The only thing that pops up if you look up uh, Money Making Mitch is the song MMM with Future and um, uh, what's the other gentleman on the song? Might be just Future. Um, oh, Future and was it King, King Lowe's? Yeah, King Lowe's. Uh, so that's the only thing that comes up when you look up Money Making Mitch um, at all. So I think it was harder to find than people realized. Uh, I think that it's such a great, it, it Diddy's, to me, it's Diddy's uh, American Gangster, where uh, he was out of sorts for a little bit. People didn't really appreciate the project fr prior to it till after. Like, I feel like uh, Last Train to Paris wasn't really didn't really get the praise that deserved to later on and people saw the transition in music in general and then realized how ahead of its time it was mm. um and i think he was still shaking off some of the sauce from uh he got from forever um so people weren't sure how to uh, and when i say that i mean in the sense of i don't think people paid attention to last train to paris at first because of what forever did and i think a lot of people that missed out on this album missed out on last train to paris also um i think uh i think this is just great i think this is one of the best albums that's best written for diddy i think diddy shows us a versatility that he has with his voice and tone that we haven't seen with him rapping before um it wasn't just the excited diddy repeating bark like it felt like Diddy felt what he was saying more, I feel, on this project than he had in a long time. And it did it and it wasn't sing that wasn't singing or sing song. Um yeah, I just think it just the 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 tone of it is great. It just didn't fit the party heavy sound of music at the time that was overshadowing. Um things with maybe less energy, but were just as good. Yeah, I think uh, you brought up a point about him throwing people off or referencing this as uh, as a mixtape. 
But when you think back that same year, um, you had, if you're reading this, it's too late, which is Drake's mixtape that, well, what he called a mixtape. And you also brought up the point of uh, 2015 being the time frame that a lot of the way we were, re- uh, let me see, what's the word I'm looking for? A lot of the ways that we were referring to albums and music, bodies of work was changing. So like they, there was a big confusion around that. But you had mixtapes that were coming out. I mean, Drake was just that guy in 2015, and he's been that guy ever since he came out, really. But um, when if you when he referred to if you're reading this as a mixtape, it wasn't any question. We were like, all right, that's a mixtape. When he referred to More Life as a playlist, there was some pushback, but people were calling it a playlist. So is Puff? You think Puff has lost his? Uh, his credence in that way where he can like dictate what something is called or what something is. No, I think, I think what that is, I think, I think we saw at the time, because I think at that time, if you're reading this too late, it's right around Drake becoming the already a bigger monster than he is because he's in the midst of his Meek Mill beef. Um, he's in the midst of getting a Grammy for a dish track. You know, uh, this is, um, this is Drake building himself, whereas Puff is supposed to already be Puff, you know. So hearing Puff use term use terms like mixtape in 2015, that you kind of get the feeling mixtape is at the time I felt mixtape is more of a for a warm up for for artists who aren't as developed or uh, established in the game as well. You know, you don't you know it's even when like. Jay has that one mixtape, but look at where in his career that one mixtape was. Yeah. You know, it's just where the mixtape fell in Diddy's career. It kind of felt weird to hear Diddy use the term mixtape. Okay. Puff is too big of an artist to put out a mixtape. That's why it didn't work. The way right. mixtapes were, the, the way he intended this mixtape to be, and the way that this was too polished. It should have been an EP, if anything, if he didn't, you know, really want to promote it like that. But um, and the and the way that he was anticipating the mixtape coming out is is not like that anymore. It wasn't like that in 2015. What it wasn't like a, a you know uh like a little shop you know that that was selling mixtapes and it like mom and pop shop that sold mixtapes physically and stuff like that. So and streaming was still like you know figuring getting its footing and at its time. But um, one other thing that we also forget right and that I that I thought about in this. And this is just my conspiracy brain, guys. So don't, 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 don't uh, hold this against me. But wait, wait, I'm with that. that, uh, Let's go. Zero to one hundred was supposed to be his song. Yeah. It was just zero to one hundred. I thought there was another song that that caused the um, little exchange. It was zero to one hundred. It was. It was only that one. Okay. So I really feel like that messed up his footing with a lot of stuff because I think that Puff had certain songs that he wanted to come out for the next project. And with Zero to 100, I think he knew he had a hit because it was supposed to be Drake, King Lowe's, and Puff, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And I think like it was already recorded, but like I think Puff was holding on to it so long because he had like a plan, like have this project come out and then he was going to put out the next album. And he just moves, you know, really slow, really meticulous, like time and everything like that. 
And I think that it put a halt on a lot of things. And I think the reason why that's another reason that leads to why money making Mitch isn't that remembered because he didn't put out no way out too. Yes, that's very true. And and it's and also I didn't remember this till the re-listen. He starts the album actually saying, This is just the build-up for No Way Out 2. Um, so that that probably is completely it. People probably felt that this was supposed to be, you know, the build-up for for a second half, and the second half never came. So it's like watching a fucking movie, uh, watching one of these franchise movies that Oh, we're supposed to get a part two and they can fix all the holes from part one and part two and right. never get a part two, right. which I don't feel this album has holes. And it's not to say that this is this project. There's anything wrong with the project. It's just it's uh compared to the energy of albums released that year. It doesn't it doesn't have the same. um High temp, uh, you know, high tempoed. Um, it does have like a darker energy to it. Yeah. And also, let's be honest, like he had the two monsters in the game, a new monster in the a new, you know, monster who was establishing himself. Like that's the year future established himself. Then you have Kendrick Lamar with the pimp a butterfly. Like you have if you're reading this is too late. And then you have the first uh, post yams um, ASAP album drop also. You know, mm-hmm. you have Shrem Life. Everybody's paying attention more to Drake versus Meek. Meek dropped Dreams more than uh Dreams more than Money. Um then you have Rodeo, which was a big deal. You know? Um and and you had Push. Push dropped that year also. Like it I just think it just didn't stand out amongst the other artists uh that was and we finally got the Fetty album. You yeah. know that like like there, there's a lot of I just feel that the sound that was at the time, there wasn't a good place. It wasn't a good place for Diddy to just drop it. And maybe, maybe he felt like he had to rush the drop because Drake dropped that single. Um, you know, I'd completely forgotten that they had that exchange over and it, I forgot it was particularly that song yeah it was it was zero to 100 and um and drake reference drake disses him on um <laughs> on the uh the shit he did voted on too nah that was later later but he disses him on i want to say it was all it was on if you're reading this but yeah i'm, I'm trying to see which one the song oh used to it was used to with wayne so he originally just had um he originally just had two verses and a Wayne he originally just had his verse and then a Wayne track or a Wayne verse rather on the mixtape on Wayne's mixtape and then when if you're reading this came out he added another verse and on the verse he says something like uh let's be real nigga you couldn't have made it that like he's referencing 0 to 100 on there um, and everybody thought he's referencing the Meek his Meek collabs. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to look up exactly what he said. Damn. Never needed to seconds. Uh Shaq posting out real quick, man. Oh yeah, real quick, man. You couldn't have hated that. Let's be real, nigga. You couldn't have made it that. Like and then did he slapped his ass 
and dislocated his shoulder. <laughs> Told him to relax. Right. Drake's been in the gym and taking DR trips since. <laughs> but um, we don't, and we don't know all the facts of that. But that's what came out that he allegedly put hands on him over that. But uh, but um, this project, yes, it gets overlooked for all of the reasons that we said. But then you have tracks on here like every day. So every day I wanted to highlight because it's everything that I like about um, when Diddy is behind the boards for a song. So the way that he combines all these artists, the way that he leads in the pushes verse to give him the lead. I know he went into this to this song and dictated and he said, Push is going to have the best verse on this song. This is how I'm going to treat Pusha. It's kind of similar to how I look at uh, Two Chains on Mercy, like the way the way Kanye orchestrated Two Chains verse. Cause he was like, this is obviously the best verse. Like, we're gonna like run with this. It was like a buildup. It's no different here. This shit is like perfect. Everybody raps so well on this song. Um, and then auction. Auction with Kim. Kim sounds great. King Los sounds great on this whole album. I think King, I think Los, I wanna say, had the best verse on this song. I think um, Los uh, I think Los really wrote his ass. Yeah project a lot of people were not familiar with king los he is one of the best and most slept on lyricists in the game if you're a person who just listens to rap for just rap yo he's a man to go to you'll get some great songs um uh, like one of my favorite songs from his uh vintage Rolls voice interior like mm -hmm. you can really hear him finesse a fucking amazing beat like the problem is he just He'd rather wrap his ass off instead of making musical music that can get him um get him on the playlist and get him onto uh more on the general you know casual listeners you know what's um, really interesting about about rappers like that like uh, it's very it's very hard for me to like always like believe that right because when you have a rapper like say like a most deaf or a Tyler Kweli who are absolutely about the bars, but they figure out a way. They might get on not, not the top 40 radio, but they can get on some kind of radio programming. So sometimes I just think that certain artists, I'm not going to say they're not as talented or musically inclined, but like they, if you're good at, like if, you're, if, you're, if your music sounds good enough or the instrumentation sounds good enough, then you'll, you'll, you should be get, if you're on the radio. Because most deaf is like the most political nigga out there. And I just think that most deaf, like not too many rappers can outrap most deaf, but he has figured out ways to get on the radio. Oh, um, I, I think there's no, a different. Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, my my bad. No, I was just saying. Like, I'm not saying that I don't think that Kanye can't. I just think that he is is not digging deep, and I'm pretty sure he has music in the crates with Puff. Because I actually wanted to get him on this show because he's on Clubhouse like religiously, so I know some people that like actually like have relationship with him. But uh, what what was I didn't even tell y'all because I didn't want to get you guys like hopes up. But apparently, like he took it like we were asking him for like behind the scenes shit, and I was like, nah, I just want you to talk about the project. But he said yeah. like he 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 he's not he's not at liberty to talk about dealings with Puff. Yeah, okay. I mean we get that that whole NDA. Yeah. Um, it's why we still yeah. haven't gotten the real stories from fucking Fifty about writing from Puff and and you know all the. 
other people we know pen shit for him. Um, I mean, he told us he told us that people write for him. He don't write yeah. around to checks. So I it's guess he like, what else y'all want to know? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. Um, another thing I want to say is a lot of people always consider that uh, Dr. Dre is like the Quincy Jones of hip hop, but I always said that I think Puff was more so because oh, I don't think I don't because like Dre, like you know he. I, I don't think that uh I think that Dre is very good at what he does as far as like um you know organizing everything. But like Puff just gives me more Quincy Jones vibes in my personal opinion, in my humble opinion. I like I'm pretty sure some people would say like nah, definitely not Khaled though. But I definitely feel like uh like Puff is a Quincy Jones of hip hop. It's and, because uh, Puff is more dynamic, I think, in in the styles he chooses to seek out. I think the difference with Puff and a Dre is, you know, a signature Dre. You can tell a Dre beat from a mile away. Mm-hmm. You could tell, you know, because he actually makes the beats. Um, but mm-hmm. the thing with Diddy is, sometimes Diddy will throw you for a fucking loop. And Diddy really will be like, yo, not only can I do R&B really well, I can fucking do rap really well. I can also do pop music really well. He'd like toss me a random artist like like he got me what was that machine gun kelly fucking that one single he had that did anything in life like you, you gave machine gun kelly a fucking crazy single. like yeah on. yeah yeah like I'm a boy that shit yeah that shit like and that remix that remix used to go nuts the meek mm-hmm. mill part i remember yeah. that that shit would be played when we were out and about but um I completely agree that if anybody it'd be Diddy is the Quincy Jones of the the yeah. game right now. Across like all genres and everything like that, him being able to um pretty much like produce anyone and 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 then not seem and when you hear his name it not sound like, whoa, really? You did that? Like it's like, you know what, that's punk. Like yeah. it was like expected, like, you know? Like Quincy Jones produced for Frank Sinatra. I could absolutely see Puff producing for Taylor Swift and it still being a box. Yeah, I can see that. I think I think Puff just I doesn't. Hope not, though. Yeah, <laughs> I just uh, I think Puff gets a lot of flack because he doesn't. He seems all over the place, and like as a creative, as a creative, I get it because creatives are like like that. They they go with you know what what's like calling them in that moment and then after they done with it they just push it to the side and i think puff does that a lot and unfortunately i feel like he does that with talent too i feel like he i feel like he sees things through for projects and then that's it it's like well i just needed you for this project and i just needed you for this vision and he's very like this for for whatever he's into and then that's it and it's on to the next and I think he did that with this because it was kind of this was kind of a way for him to get this out. Because when you even look at reviews of this, some people were calling it like an identity crisis. They were like, and, and I feel like he was just in his bag in this in this zone of like recording this. He knew what he wanted to make. He knew the vision he wanted for it is much more darker than a Puff album typically is. A Puff album is more glamorous than this. But um, yeah, I think I think that's like another reason why it get it got pushed to the side when you look yeah, at it. He 
misinterpret mis- people misinterpreted this album. It's a conceptual album. That's all it yeah. is. Yeah, it's yeah. It's a conceptual album, and like people was like, "Oh, he talking gun talk. He talking mm-hmm. street shit." And it's like it's a conceptual album. Like the opening of the album, he explains like wh- like what he's doing. Like and basically, he he's rapping. Like if I if I were to think of anything, I would think of this as like a play, and like he's literally t- walking us through the album. But uh, a conceptual album for some people, like they can't grasp that because some people don't understand that Kid Cudi's Man on the Moon is a conceptual album. Yeah, class biography, but yeah, I think um, I what's even crazier is. I feel like today this would be more accepted and and championed probably uh if it were to drop today. Um yeah. I think uh like I don't know man this is this is some of the great the best Diddy rapping you get and not just because of the lyrics like the way Diddy sounds rapping on this is great on every song the way he takes Big Sean's flow I kind of like Diddy doing Big Sean's flow more than I like Big Sean doing it. Like Puff, Puff, Puff is is really good at taking taking lead from like take like taking like advice as far as like recording music and getting in the booth and like executing it very well. Yeah, like, really good at it. Yeah, he is. Um, Big Sean, Big Sean, and Rick Ross are like two of like my like two like they they are like two of my favorite people that write for him sometimes. Yeah, over the, over the years. And Ross um, too. I like Ross raps for him. Writes for him. Yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, I said, I said Ross and Big Sean. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Whoever I like wrote, whoever wrote for him on Wyland though, on Old Man Wyland with uh Jaden Styles though, did their thing too on that because I fucking love your I think so too. Yeah. It had to be like, like you know what's funny about Los though. With Los, I kind of feel like he gives Diddy enough space with flows that that it you can't always ne- like it gives it almost gives Diddy his own sound, but mm-hmm. he, you only know somebody wrote it for him. Like Diddy could turn like like it's not necessarily it don't sound necessarily like Los. You know, if that makes sense. Like yeah. when I hear well, the songs, you know. 50 wrote for him, you could kind of hear it. Songs you know Diddy or Maze wrote for him, you could kind of hear it. But like when Los writes for him, it's kind of it's kind of sounds more um more like a second style. It doesn't sound like Los. I, I don't know how else to say it. It doesn't sound like Los. Well, I think I think that's mostly in part to the fact that generally the public doesn't know the personality of Los and they don't know his flow as much as you know 50's flow and as much yeah. as you know Ross's flow. And Big Sean and the rest that write for him, um, mm-hmm. so that that plays a big part of it. So I feel like that's why Los is so successful with writing for people behind the scenes because it's like, yo, you know that he, you know that this kid can rap, but you can't identify when somebody else is rapping and it sounds like Los or that Los wrote it. So yeah. that's, I think that I think he plays that up because that that's been working out for him. Um, I don't know. Like, what are some highlights from this album for you? Because I, I want to I want to talk about that, too. Like, what is what's some songs on here that you really that like if if you were to hand this album off to somebody and say, yo, you need to listen to this. Or if you ain't got the time to listen to this whole album, it's 44 minutes. Listen to these three. What would you pick? Um, 
I'm going. I'm going to go every day. You could be my lover. Mm-hmm. And it be work. Okay. It's between work, between working and 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 MMM. Okay. And what about uh, you, T? Did you hear the question? Say it again for me. I'm sorry. I was just, I was helping somebody. Nah, it's all good. Uh, so I was saying this album is 44 uh, minutes. So if you were going to somebody to pitch for them to listen to this album, and they don't want to listen to the whole album, it's 44 minutes. But you have three songs that you can pick. For them to listen to, which one was only three? Only three. To like be like, yo, this album is fire. Listen to these three. It's three songs. Well, I well, Triple M obviously that the the the, the title song, right? Mm-hmm. Um, damn, now I got two more. Working. Hmm. Damn, Reg, what three? Um, and option. Okay, wow. Yeah, so you picked two of mine. So mine are uh I'm going with Every Day. Mm-hmm. Love that song, auction. And uh I would have to go with You Could Be My Lover. That's like I think those three encompass the feel of this album. I I mean I want to lean toward working because it's working is like it has this darkness to it, kind of for me. But it's Detroit. Just say it. Just say it. Because Detroit. Just say it. Nah, it has like not even not even that. It just has like this this gritty feel to it, and that that voice, everything. Like it, it's kind of just dope to me, and all the verses are dope. Even though I, I typically don't really like that many Travis features, but this works. Um. So yeah, I'm gonna go with those three. I'm gonna go with those three. I think I think those three really tie this album together because every day is just amazing. And then the follow up, follow up that with auction and Kim sounding sounding as good as she sounds and styles and Los closing it out. Like it's just perfection. Um, what are some songs on here that you don't like? Because it's not a perfect album. What, what's uh, are there three songs on here that you that you would take off? Um, I take off probably that alpha male skit. Um, I probably I might take off the all or nothing. Hmm. And uh. That's it, Ali. Okay. Help me all or nothing. Happily ever after. Damn. Um yeah, I don't need help me. Yeah, you're probably right on um, Yeah, you're probably right on help me. It could have gone straight into uh from Harlem from Yeah, you're right. I don't need uh I don't need help me. I'm with you on Alpha Male. And uh hmm. I wanna say what's this other French one? 
Oh no, nah, I like money ain't a problem. Yeah. Mm. Yo, this project could have been ten songs and just been straight. Like, I mean, it's thirteen, but it could have been ten and could have been smooth. Yeah, it could have been ten. It could have been ten. There's a lot of projects I feel that way about, but um, yeah, but yeah, that's that's what that is. I think I think overall, you know, I just want to say that it's just worth the revisit. Like overall, it's worth a revisit for people to for people to um pay attention to. I hope we actually added another battery in its back just from mentioning it. Um, so we'll see. Uh, any any, we don't need to drag this one along. Any uh, closing words on this? Um, Danny, go first. Uh, I think it should be checked out. I think it has great beats. I think it just uh. We had a very saturated year of uh, great shit that outshined it just because of energy um, and the type of time uh, we were on in general. Um, but I think this is a great album, and I think uh, it's aged very well. And uh, people should check it out. Okay. And uh, as for me, I think I share a lot of those sentiments. I think... Um, like I said, like I said at the top of this, a lot of the tracks from this album I still revisit. Um, even in like my workouts and shit, I play every day, almost every time I work out. Um, that's such a fire track to me. Um, and just the way the production for this is so concise, it's so good. And I think Diddy was just in a space where he was just creating. Um, this came out. It's no, you know, no coincidence that this came out on his 46th birthday. I think in that time frame of his life, that's just where he was. Like he just wanted to put some shit out to kind of keep him in touch with the streets and kind of just, he's always thinking about rebranding himself. So keep himself in the loop and keep himself in the conversation. Um, and I think that's what this album did, or rather that's what this album could have did because it didn't really have the impact that I think it deserved, but um, it's still a standout. And I think, we're doing our part in, in passing along that word. So, uh, Torian, what about you? So this project, I think if it was nine tracks, it's probably like, uh, like a perfect classic project. Um, but all in all, like this was a pleasant surprise. I think that Puff can never, I, I don't think Puff can do any wrong. I, I've never heard something where I was like, this is absolutely a barrel of trash. This man has lost it. I think Puff is like, has always has his, um, his finger on the pulse of what's going on. Um, I'm always interested to hear the music that he's putting out, subject matters and concepts. Um, I like I said, I just think that at this time, you know, it just kind of got lost in the sauce, and like Puff, kind of like you know, kind of just um everything that he he had planned to do, just a, a monkey wrench got thrown in it by a new uh kid named Drake, and that just you know didn't align with stuff that he had going on. But I think that he's get, I think that brother love is getting his footing back, and we will see something in the future from this man and i think we will all be happy i think the, i think so too we are in the era of brother love i want to see what he puts out um we'll just wait and see i know he got this as we speak he got this single with french that's about to drop soon um so oh, yeah yeah you heard the snippet right yeah yeah that snippet sound kind of tough so I'm, I'm waiting to hear what that's like danny you about to say something no nah, i was about to say that yeah, so uh, 
but yeah so in closing that's what that's what we'll leave this at we just we just want people to we don't want y'all to sleep on some good shit that y'all missed out on because to Pimp a Butterfly came out, which was amazing, but it kind of swallowed up that year. So, uh, yeah, we'll leave it at that. I'm First Class Reg. I'm sorry, MB. We're out of here. <laughs>